Hello and welcome to what will be the final pit box for a few weeks as we go into the summer break. I'm Emma Delaney and this is Chris Steers. Welcome back to another edition of the pit box. Really excited to be here recording this one because of the race at the weekend race of the season the Hungarian Grand Prix although I do want to just say this last week I kept calling it the Hungry Grand Prix no idea why my mind was just doing something else and thinking something completely different I of course know it's called the Hungarian Grand Prix and what a race it was it didn't disappoint summed up in three words chaos excitement and points I think that certainly sums it up. Um, I'm going to take a little few more words than that. Uh, Rain from the offset, two big turn one crashes, five cars out on the first lap, a red flag and a new winner. It was just an action-packed race really, wasn't it? And Williams in the points, not once, but twice. They got 10 points. And if the Sebastian Vettel disqualification is held, that'd be 10 points for them, which is huge for a team like Williams. Such a shame for Vettel though. Let's start on Vettel disqualification i'm gutted for him because he drove an amazing race regardless of the disqualification i have got vettel down as one of my winners from the hungarian grand prix it it was a bad getaway to be honest when he started but he kept his head he used his experience he picked his way through the carnage of lap one and he kept constant pressure on ocon and i think he deserved second place whether they'll uphold the disqualification is anyone's guess but he had a great day. Now, moving on to Williams. Big winners, even though they didn't win the Grand Prix. At one point, though, it was looking like they were going to get a podium. It was anybody's game, wasn't it, really? Um, (laughs) I mean, it was such a mad first lap, but they did brilliantly. They really did. Latifi in third. Russell somehow ended up in second at one point, although he did have to give the positions back. And I said, I was just complaining about the FIA penalties there. Actually, I thought that was really nice of them to say, look, we won't give you a penalty because of the circumstance, but you have to give back the positions. And that was a weird one because I actually think that's why Mercedes didn't go into the pit lane because Mercedes are the first pit box, right? So if Hamilton goes in, he's then got all the other cars going past and then he can't pull back out into the pit lane. Williams are the exact opposite because they were the last pit box. So George went in and it was just a case of when he was pulling out, he couldn't get back in. So he had to sort of, I suppose, undercut is the word, is what you would say in road terminology, because it wasn't really an overtake, was it? But he, he sort of cut cut them up in the pit lane. No fault of his. It was just no one expected all the cars apart from Hamilton to go into the pit lane. But ultimately, that won Williams the race, I think, because George said on the radio, um, what was it? He said along the lines of... If you have to compromise my my race strategy to help Nicky, do it. And I thought that, is that George telling Mercedes, I'll play nice with Lewis? It's a very good possibility. Now, this is not to undermine George Russell in any way, shape or form. He could genuinely have, I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying he didn't mean it. But what I am saying is with a potential move, knowing that certainly for the next season you're going to be more or less the second driver or was it said in his own defense i think it's two things i think george genuinely cares about williams and you could see him in tears after the race quite literally crying he was so emotional Uh, and also a little fun fact for you this is the highest he's ever finished in a formula one race he finished higher up in a Williams than he did in a Mercedes. 
I, I don't think anybody would have thought that possible, do you? Certainly not something we would have foreseen. And he's so emotional and he admitted it means so much to the team. This is three years hard work. The Latifi getting points as well. And they did it on merit. I know some people would argue, oh, there's a cra- it was a crash at the start. It completely reorganised the order. But they held those positions. They didn't just fall back down. They held the positions. George was fighting Mick at one point and Max and Danny Rick. Latifi was definitely up there in the mix in the midfield as well. At one point in third place, you can only get to that point on merit, I think. Yes, they got lucky, but I think throughout this season, they've deserved some points in some races and not got points. It works both ways. I also think it might be a little harsh to call it luck full stop, because in that kind of chaos that we saw on turn one, it is pure skills and reaction as much as anything else to be able to avoid what was going on um so do you know what i i think as drivers they are to be credited for keeping their cars going lewis hamilton then one of the strangest restarts i've ever seen in formula one history one car on the grid everybody else goes to the pit lane never seen that before and then hamilton starting um the restart on the inters and then realizing oh it's dry it's not wet and then having to go in and losing all that time Now, I go again to my point, if he had pitted, he probably would have ended up behind everyone else trying to get back into the pit lane as people were coming out. So he would have had to wait. So I completely get that. But he wouldn't have ended up last place, I don't think. Um, What a drive from him, though, to end up in second place in the race. And what a battle from Alonso. Highlight of the race, I think. Once upon a time, Alonso was my favourite driver. And at the weekend, everything came flooding back to me. He is now my favourite driver again. Um, He is just so passionate and there's a fire and he is so talented. And okay, it wasn't a race for the top position, but he gave it everything. And I remembered why I fell in love with motorsports. Alonso was doing that for the top position because by doing that, he made sure Alpine and Esteban Ocon won the race. And what a real fairy tale that is for Ocon. He's a driver. He's not a paid driver. He's not paid for that seat. His family, he's come from quite a working class background. To win a Grand Prix, it's just so magical. And then for him to say at the end, I heard so much about Alonso, but he's won me the race today. And none of it is true what you hear about Alonso. He's won me the race. I'm here because of him. And I thought, Ocon, do you know what? That's a really nice gesture. And I don't. I know they're not in it to give nice gestures, but it shows the team spirit between Alonso and Ocon and Alpine. They've sort of got a bit of what McLaren have had recently, a really good sort of team relationship. And I think that ultimately will win you races. Absolutely. And obviously I've got Ocon and Alpine down as my winners from the weekend. Um, I had some questions and possibly some doubts about Alpine's decision to offer Ocon a long-term extension. However, he qualified really well, to be honest, and he took his chance when it came in the race and he maintained his composure throughout. And it was no easy race for him. Vettel pressurised him the whole way. It would have been so easy just to make a tiny mistake and everything to have fallen apart. And as for Alpin, what can I say? 35 points in the bag against Aston Martin and Alpha Tori. 
that's all there is to it. Yeah, take that, wouldn't they? Really good to see. And I think it was their first win since 20, 2012 or 2013. I haven't got the exact dates to hand, but it's certainly a long time since their last one. I think Kimi Raikkonen was the last winner with them with Lotus. Yeah, incredible. Real fairy tale story, but it shows that team spirit behind the drivers. Clearly Alonso and Ocon get along really well. I, I can sort of see a bit of signs and Lando between them. You know, a bit of experience, a bit of youth. It's nice to see the good relationship. And I think most teams would they'd do anything for that sort of relationship between teammates. Absolutely, because if you've got that kind of feeling in-house, it, it can only make you better. So that was our review of the Hungarian Grand Prix and what a race it was. We'll be talking about it a little bit later on the episode again because there's so much to digest. But now I want to move on to our guest. Tom Jackson joins me on the podcast this week. I caught up with him because he's a fairly new fan to the sport and he openly admitted this to me when I spoke to him earlier this week. And he's taken an interest in the sport again. He used to watch it as a kid a lot, but has really shown an interest this year. And what a season to show an interest. So he gave me his views going into the summer break hello it's really good to be here this is like um i don't know i i've kind of really fallen down the rabbit hole this year yeah you were saying i kind of i was a big kind of f1 guy when i was like small so i watched a lot up until about 2012 and then i just kind of dipped off and then i came back this year i caught the bahrain grand prix at the beginning of the year and i just kind of fully dived head first straight into it so it's exciting to talk about it, I think. It's it's an insane season, so I think I picked a good time to get back into it. It's the best season in about five years, I'd say. It's the most open I've seen it in about 20. <laughs> it's it's absolutely brilliant. I'm loving it, and what a time to really get interested in the sport again. Out of interest, did you watch Drive to Survive on Netflix? Because a lot of people that I know that went off Formula One watched Drive to Survive on Netflix and all of a sudden very interested in the sport again, despite the fact yeah. Netflix is all Hollywood. Um, but it's it's great to have you on board for the podcast today now i've set you a task i've set you to have a look at all the different teams and tell me what you think and who you think is the most happy going into the summer break and i think the general consensus is williams are absolutely buzzing right now they are they are having the best possible time at the moment they are living their best life after three years was it of like really difficult kind of results they've come home with a double points finish and I was watching the race and I was seeing Latifi in P3 and I felt like I was on some kind of alternate timeline. I changed and it's just a really great result to see them and like George was clearly, emotions were running high after that because it's it's just been like the, the result of so much work from that team. The only kind of blip I guess was that, that funny little pit lane pass that they kind of quickly rectified but yeah they managed to hold the position and hold their own amongst uh, effectively much faster car and so that's kind of testament to both like the defensive sky. I feel like the race was a, a race of defence across the board and I mean the, the next thing we were talking of, we're thinking of talking about that's another brilliant example of insane defence this weekend. The FIA I think that was really sensible to say look if you just fall back down the order we won't penalize you but going back to defense fernando alonso for i think like 10 laps he won esteban Ocon the grand prix and i think alpine oh, are going to be very happy going into the summer break they are going to be ecstatic and i mean hungary is a strong track for for that team as i think fernando was saying on the radio at the end i mean i think that's where he took his first win and so it's kind of a nice little full circle moment almost for, for Alpine, um, both drivers getting their first win at um, Hungary. And that defence, though, that was insane. The way he was holding holding them off, just 
massive respect and it's also good for me because obviously coming back to the sport last year I watched properly was 2012 so it's like ah yes I recognise that name Fernando Alonso has been technically retired from the sport for the last two years he Mm. left the sport said he wasn't going to come back and I think Formula One's one of those sports where it never leaves you, no matter what role you come back. Like Jensen Button's still involved with the sport. I think he's like an advisory role at Williams now. The sport, yeah, I think so. The sport never leaves you. And I think Lewis, it was really funny hearing him on the radio because he was complaining that he's like, he can't do this, he can't do this. And it's like, actually, he can. You're racing, Lewis. Lewis is so used to being at the front. He, we've not seen this in a long time. And I think it's really good for the sport. I think it's one of those scenarios where it probably could go down to the final race um, this year. It's that it's that tight. I think it's like Red Bull are on 291 points in the constructors. Mercedes are on 303. And then in the actual Drivers' Championship, it's even tighter. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is on 195 and Max Verstappen is 187. So Max only needs to win one more race. And he's already ahead of Lewis Hamilton again. So it's sort of musical chairs in the championship at the minute. Lando Norris, though, currently sitting P3 in the driver's standings. Because I'm a massive fan of Lando and I've followed him since his younger years, I'm not at all surprised because he's over the last couple of seasons, he's been perceived as the Joker because of that vibe he had with Carlos, that bromance. And then this year, he's sort of really showing his competitive spirit. And I think he solidly deserves that P3 in the driver's standings. And he's got it. It's it's not a huge margin he's got it by. He, you know, he's only just ahead of Valtteri Bottas. But I don't think anybody expected Lando to be P3 going into the summer break. Yeah, I think he's really comfortable there. And he's kind of cemented himself in that position with those three podiums. He's done really, really well this season. I imagine it's probably a little bit of kind of like imposter syndrome type thing, suddenly being, oh God, I'm P3 now. And Danny Rick is my teammate and is not having a great time. And I'm kind of making all the the big headlines for McLaren right now. It's, I guess it must be a strange feeling to suddenly just shoot up like that. And um, I think in some interviews, um, Ricardo was saying, it's like, he's seen it in a lot of other drivers in the third year. Um, You kind of, you've settled into the sport and you've kind of really, I guess, turbocharged yourself going into that season. And you see these, um, big improvements and it's really good to see with Lando because McLaren has got a pretty good car they've been uh pretty competitive especially in like Austria they were really really fighting with the the kind of the Mercedes and the Red Bulls which is really really nice to see it's got Mercedes engine in it some will say oh Williams have got Mercedes but it's not I think Williams just got the design of their car wrong a few years ago that McLaren it's got a Mercedes engine in which has been the strongest power unit of the last six years in Formula One, it, I, I'm not surprised whatsoever. And as a Lando fan as well, I'm not. We're not supposed to have fans on the pit box because I love all the drives in their own way. But Lando, I think he's really sort of proven the point that he can drive, and that he can do it well, and he can fight, and he can fight for podiums. I wouldn't be surprised if this year we saw a McLaren win. If Alpine can do it, McLaren can. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I, it's it's not a question of if, but when now, really, I think, in terms of a McLaren win. It's got to happen at some point. It probably, I wouldn't, I would hazard a guess to say that it, I would imagine, invo- involves some incident further up because there is still a bit of a gap between the front runners, but it's possible. And I think it's, I would be disappointed if it didn't happen later in the season because I think it's, it just adds another um, cherry on top to this season that has just been 
insane in every possible way. Everything is happening. It's yeah, it's it's brilliant entertainment, I guess, for the people watching, especially people who are new to the sport. Thanks, Tom, for your your views on going into the summer break. Hopefully, we get you on the pod in a few few months time when the season kicks in again I, I can't wait it drives me nuts having a wait between races so really excited for what's happening in the second half of the season thank you Tom definitely thank you for having me on it's been great chatting so thank you to Tom Jackson uh, from Cornwall he's studying down in uh, Falmouth Uni really exciting to have him on board with the podcast and it was great to hear his enthusiasm wasn't it Emma for the sport and how he's sort of come back into it and I've seen this a lot I don't know about you have you seen it a lot with a lot of fans returning to the sport because of how wide open the championship is this season absolutely I think the last race we had coming into summer was perfect for the summer season because obviously we've got four weeks down now and what with with the restrictions with covid people have been staying at home people have been watching more and i just think it's it's worked wonders for formula one definitely worked wonders for formula one because of covid and i think it's a real success that sport has has done this put on a season in 2020 and in 2021 despite the ever-changing restrictions and there's strong rumors that you know america could host two races particularly if mexico comes off and i think mexico is likely to be cancelled because it's just been put on the red list and japan as well i'm not quite sure if japan's going to go ahead there's a lot of question marks on races and there's some real good circuits such as silverstone such as america that could host another grand prix and i think formula one will go to where the fans can watch the race and it's also an incredibly entertaining season we aren't seeing the usual whitewash i say that yes we are coming to expect the top three we're looking at uh grid lockouts which we would expect to see but the race further down the field is just amazing the midfield's been great for the last couple of years it's been where the real action is that's it for this week's edition of the pit box we'll be back ahead of the belgian grand prix one of the most exciting circuits of the season, I think. And then we've also got the Netherlands as well, making a return this year for the first time in, like, I think, forever. 1985. 1985 was the last time, yeah. Max Verstappen home race. Fans are going to be unbelievable for Max for that. We've had so many good races this season. We've been sport for choice. We'll see you ahead of the Belgian Grand Prix. Have a great summer, and we'll see you soon. This has been a Capella production produced and presented by Chris Steers and Emma Delaney with the support of Josh Lias on social media.